Okay, welcome King of Kings. Glad to be back with everybody in the family today. Um, this is an exciting time uh, in, our, in our world and what God is, is doing um, in these days, very unusual days, but we're so happy you've joined us for this special service on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. So let me just welcome everybody, all of our members here in Jerusalem and all of our friends and partners around the world watching on Facebook Live, King's Community Live, YouTube, and all of those channels. We welcome you, Chag Sameach, and happy holidays to you. Let me give you a quick update of where we are uh, as a nation right now. We are back into a full lockdown. As a matter of fact, they have tightened the restrictions uh, even this past week. And um, at, this, at the moment, we're not going to be able to do much in, in way of gathering in our small groups or, or even having uh, crowds gather at services. There's no visitors. They're talking about shutting the airport down. So we're waiting for that ruling as well. So right now, we're going to make the most of what God has given us in our tools, but we're so happy that we could connect with you in this way uh, from all around the world. A special thanks to our worship team, our media team, our production and sound team uh, for all of their extra work that helps us bring, uh, bring you this holiday season. So thank you guys so much for doing that. Uh, our schools are all closed. Our, uh, honestly, outside of going to the grocery store right now in Israel, they have uh, checkpoints and security stops, and, and we uh, even have to travel with letters and special notes to hand to the security uh, folks. So that's about where we are. Pray for us. Uh, I'm sure there are other countries around the world that are struggling in some of the same ways that we are. But thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Uh, we're glad you've joined us today. Also, I want to let you know that as Pastor Mike mentioned, uh, we have a slightly abbreviated service today, and it's for a reason. If you've ever experienced Yom Kippur here in Israel, then you know that at sundown, everything shuts down. And I don't mean it becomes voluntary shutdown. It becomes absolute shutdown. They shut down the roads. You're not allowed to drive. Nothing will be open. No public transportation. And if you start to try to drive here in Israel on Yom Kippur, uh, there will be consequences to that. So people have to stay in their homes, no cars. Um, so what we want to do is just shorten our time today. I've got a short message for you. And uh, we need to be out of here by sundown to make sure that all of us uh, can be ready for Yom Kippur. In addition, you may or may not know that many people fast on Yom Kippur. But in today's world, many people fast technology. And so we want to finish the service prior to sundown here in Jerusalem so that they can turn off their technology, honor the Lord through the, the Day of Atonement. Uh, so we've shortened things a bit. In light of that, let's jump on into our main text today for this special holiday of Yom Kippur. Our main texts today are going to be in Leviticus and in the book of Hebrews. So turn in your Bibles to Leviticus 23. We'll also read a passage from 25. And in Hebrews, we're going to look at chapter 10 primarily. Let me go ahead and read the original uh, text, uh, similar to what Pastor Mike read in the Parsha. I'm going to read today from Leviticus 23, starting in verse 26. The Lord said to Moses, The tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves, and present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day, because it is the day of atonement, when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Those who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from their people. And I will destroy from among their people anyone who does any work on that day. 
You shall do no work at all. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, wherever you live. It is a day of Sabbath rest for you, and you must deny yourselves. From the evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening, you are to observe your Sabbath. So in that passage, we have some clarification points, some great detail. For instance, the date is well known. The tenth day of the seventh month. There is no confusion. The day is laid out for us in specifics. It is a sacred assembly. That's why we're connecting today regarding the holiday. Deny yourselves is a commandment. And most people look at denying yourselves as fasting, whether it's fasting all foods, fasting drink, or fasting something from your diet. And the case I explained a minute ago, possibly fasting other types of entertainment, technology, etc. There is a commandment for a food offering to be brought before the Lord. That's the irony of fasting is you give it to the Lord. And then a commandment for absolutely no work. That's a little bit different than the other Sabbaths and the other holidays. The other holidays say no regular work. On Yom Kippur, it says no work at all. So those are some very clear points. Um, But I want to bring your attention to a line in that section that I'm going to reiterate several times. It said, the day when atonement is made for you before the Lord. It is that day. It is the day of atonement. This is that day. All of that, uh, all of the, the, the love and the, and the vision and the passion that God put into the work on the cross back in the Garden of Eden when man fell until the work of Yeshua on the cross, all of that was pointing toward the symbolic nature of atonement. But we're going to look at it today from multiple angles. Yes, there was the original Day of Atonement mentioned here. Then there was the, 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 the atoning process of Yeshua's blood. But we also understand that his blood connected with Passover, being the Passover lamb dying at the Passover season. So what then could his blood atonement mean in a prophetic sense? We're going to look at that today, and we're going to remind ourselves of the line, this is the day when atonement is made for you before the Lord. So let me pair that original context scripture from Leviticus to a new covenant passage found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. It says, The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifice repeatedly, uh, endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. So, since the sacrifices and the observances of this day are not actually cleansing the conscience of the worshiper, the question can be raised, should we observe this day at all? As a matter of fact, Messiah has already died for us. He's already given us his blood. Is there a reason we need to continue to observe this day? Well, a couple of things should have jumped out at you. Yeshua knew what he was doing when he gave these instructions, first of all. He says in the verse, in Hebrews, that the laws are not the realities. The laws are important, but they're not the realities. 
He also says that year after year, repeating sacrifices never made the worshiper perfect. It never cleansed his conscience. It never took away his guilt. So therefore, the day of atonement must be pointing to something else that can do those things. Because the original commandments are a reminder. It is a shadow. It is not the reality. It is pointing to something else. Later, he goes on and tells us that it cannot cleanse us from sin, although it's good to remember that we have sin, because he closed the verse by saying, this is an annual reminder of sin. So what is the day? What is the day of atonement? Well, in the original context, it was a time once a year where the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. It was the only day of the year. And he would go in and he would make atonement and sacrifice for all the people of Israel. It was an annual reminder of of the sin that we have in our life that we need to get rid of. It was a reminder that only God can take away those sins. And yet, even though it was a reminder of those things, the verse tells us that the sacrifices of the animals actually couldn't do it. They actually couldn't do those things. It was a shadow. The law is a shadow of what it's actually pointing to down the road. So that gives us the indication that we have to look at Yom Kippur not only as an original commandment and a holiday, but as a futuristic, prophetic element that we need to understand in a larger context. So, I think we've answered the question, should we observe this even though Yeshua has died and risen again? Well, the Bible says it's an annual reminder of sin, and it is an everlasting ordinance, and it reminds us of something that's coming in the future. So I think we've answered that question. It is good that we connect with the festivals and feast of the Lord. Leviticus 23, I'm going to keep reminding you of that one-liner. This is the day atonement is made for you before the Lord. This is the day. Yeah, but Pastor Chad, you just said the sacrifices couldn't actually do it. Exactly. This is the day atonement is made for you, but the law and the commandments that you were supposed to observe were reminders and shadows, but they couldn't actually do the work. So therefore, the work must need to be done at a future date. And I think that becomes very clear. If you can see this with your spiritual ears, if you have ears to hear tonight, I think you see this. If you're new to the faith, I want to encourage you to read Leviticus 23, Leviticus 25, parts of Deuteronomy as well. Read Hebrews 10, and you'll find all of the puzzle pieces that we don't have time to cover tonight. Shadows, not the realities. We must embrace that Yom Kippur on earth is actually teaching us about the real and final day of atonement, which actually happens at the end of this age. Let me give you our first key phrase tonight. These feast days lay out the prophetic timeline of historical stages and markers of the ages. I'll read it again. These feast days lay out the prophetic timeline of historical stages and markers of the ages. So if you're new to faith, maybe you've never heard us say this before, let me give you a quick synopsis. God commanded seven annual festivals plus the Sabbath day. And those seven annual festivals were given in an original commandment form. They were expressed by Yeshua and the apostles accurately, but they each one have this futuristic meaning as well. 
For instance, the Passover lamb and the blood on the door, Yeshua died at Passover. He became our Passover lamb. Unleavened bread, taking away of sin was the focus. It was during that season, that holiday, Yeshua was in the grave. What was he doing? Taking away sin. The resurrection of the dead happened on the next festival called First Fruits. Paul calls Yeshua the first fruits from the dead, and he rose on the day of the festival, just like he died on the day of the festival. He took away sin on the day of the festival. He rose on the day of the festival, and then he promised that something would come even more into the future, and he promised the Holy Spirit. And of course, 50 days later, we were commanded to observe the Feast of Weeks. And on that holiday, the Holy Spirit was given. So that catches us up to the Feast of Trumpets, which was last week. As we get into the New Covenant, we understand that the Feast of Trumpets has a prophetic significance of reminding us of the return of the Lord with the trumpet blast, which then puts us at this week, the Feast Day, or in our case, the fasting day of Yom Kippur. Now, these feast days or festival days have prophetic, eternal significance, and they mark the timeline of the earth. Where are we now? Well, we are between the Feast of Weeks, the giving of the Holy Spirit, and the return of the Lord, Feast of Trumpets. We're in that middle ground right now, working the harvest field according to the scriptures. But the ultimate fulfillment then, as we look at the return of the Lord for the Feast of Trumpets, is what comes next. And what comes next on the prophetic timeline of feasts is Yom Kippur. The Day of Atonement is the next one in line after the Feast of Trumpets, when the Lord symbolically returns. Remember, the scripture said, this is the day when atonement will be made for you before the Lord. Let me give you our second key phrase tonight. The final atonement day becomes the bottleneck for human history and mankind, both past and present. Now you say, I don't understand the imagery. What are you talking about? Well, listen, feast of trumpets. The trumpet blows, Yeshua returns. He's now the king again. He's always been the king, but now he's presently the king where we can see him. But that doesn't close out the end of this earth The Bible is very clear that Yeshua rules and reigns on earth one more time. Then the end of the earth happens. And when the end of the earth happens, then there's a great judgment day that marks the separation of the old heaven, old earth, new heaven, new earth. And it becomes a bottleneck for all humankind, past and present. You've heard oftentimes that that, uh, humanity is unique and there's only a few things that everybody has to go through. Everybody has to pay taxes then everybody has to die. Well, if you read Revelation carefully, we know that there's a generation who actually doesn't die. Most humanity dies, but not that last generation at the coming of the Lord. But I'll tell you this, one thing that all humanity does is stand before the Lord and his judgment seat. Every single one, past, present, and even into our future, every single person will stand before the judgment seat of the Lord. This is the imagery that we need to see connected with Yom Kippur because he said it was on that day I will make atonement for you before the Lord. That's why the past Yom Kippur was pointing to a future day when the work could actually be accomplished. Now this day, it conjures up fear and concern and uncertainty in many people. 
there's a, there's a cautiousness and hopefully a holy reverence to the day. And that's okay. I was reminded of the, the Yom Kippur itself when the high priest went into the Holy of Holies. Remember, he had to go in with reverence and with humility. As a matter of fact, he made sacrifices for himself first before he went in. He took a bath and a, and a mikvah even before he went in to make sure he was clean. And then just to be doubly careful, the other priest would tie a rope around his waist as he went behind the curtain because just in case he didn't ever come out, they would pull the rope and pull him back out because they couldn't go in to get him. So there is a historical precedent for having reverence and humility and a holy fear about the day of Yom Kippur. But there's also the knowledge that Yom Kippur for believers in Yeshua, those that have made Yeshua our Savior and our Lord and our King, this is not a day of fear, it's a day of rejoicing. You might say, well, how, how can one group rejoice on such a solemn day and another group uh, be so uncertain on the same day? Well, let me just tie a couple of these pieces together for you. Remember, Leviticus 23 this is the day atonement is made for you before the Lord. And Yom Kippur begins very clearly on the 10th day of the seventh month. So let me read you Leviticus 25, verse 8 through 10, and connect the date with the rejoicing season. Here's the commandment. Speaking of Yom Kippur, it says, Count off seven Sabbath years. Remember, every seven years is a Sabbath year in Israel. Then, Seven times seven years. So do seven years have a Sabbath? Seven years have a Sabbath. You do that seven times, and you end up at the 50th year. So that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere, everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month. That's the same day of Yom Kippur, the 10th day of the seventh month. We blow another trumpet and blow it on the day of atonement. Sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all of its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. So let me just put some, put some connecting pieces. Every seven years, there's a Sabbath. If you do seven cycles of that, you end up at the year of jubilee. And during the year of jubilee, we, we don't actually enter Jubilee. It doesn't start until we blow the trumpet to start it. But the Bible is very clear on what day we blow it. We blow it on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur becomes the day that launches the year of Jubilee. So some people are rejoicing about the final Yom Kippur because we know as believers we're going into Jubilee year. And some people are very concerned about standing before the Lord in judgment because they're not right before the Lord. And both are the correct position. We should be concerned about our position before the Lord. That's why we have the Feast of Trumpets awakening us to repentance as we lead up to this Day of Atonement. I found it interesting also that during our Moda'in community group, which had such a great discussion recently about the Day of Atonement, we talked about why do we need to return to our own family. I don't know if you've ever seen that in the Scripture before, but we need to return to our own family during Yom Kippur. We had some ideas like, don't forget your roots. You have a chance to give testimony about what the Lord has done in your life. Your family knows who you really are. 
But obviously, we also like the idea of returning to how you were created. Your created destiny is reminded to you when you return to your family. So you can understand that there's great anticipation for this final Yom Kippur, this final day of judgment, the, the day when the Lord said, I will make atonement for you on this day. It's also the day when the trumpet sounds and we announce the year of Jubilee. In a prophetic sense, we announce the age of Jubilee or the Sabbath age of rest, if you can understand that. We all return to how we were created to be. You see, that's when we get our new bodies. There's so much happening on the final Yom Kippur. We, we, we get these renewed bodies so we don't have to deal with sin the same way. The trumpet sounds and we're cleansed and we're, atonement is made for us. The heaven and earth are passing away and the, the new heaven and new earth are coming. You see, this is the jubilee that we're excited about and we return to the way in which God originally created us. All of it's packed right there in the prophetic symbolism of the commandments of Yom Kippur. Back to the bottleneck idea for a moment. Now we know that the scripture tells us that each man is given once to die. We've mentioned that that is true of most of humanity except for the final generation before the return of the Lord. We've also mentioned that the bottleneck of all human history, the one thing that every person has to go through is standing before the Lord on judgment day. This is backed up in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 and 12. It says, day after day, Every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this great priest, talking about Yeshua, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, that's his death, he sat down at the right hand of God. You see, Yeshua's death, it qualified for not only the Passover lamb and salvation, it qualified as the atoning lamb for Yom Kippur in its final stages. And this shows us that the final moments, the final symbolism of Yom Kippur is important. When all things on this earth are finished, the lamb's blood has been fully applied to our lives, the great high priest has finished his work, he sat down at the right hand of God. You see, at this point, guys, in history, our lives are finished. Everything we've done, we've done. Our decisions are over. Our actions are completed. Our words have been recorded. Our thoughts have been evaluated. There's nothing you can do at this point other than do what every human is going to do, stand before the judgment seat of the Lord on the final Yom Kippur. All humanity will do this, covered in one spot. They will converge on this one throne room. And it doesn't matter your background your religious background, your family, what tribe you come from, language you speak, opinions you have, what you think the Bible says, what you don't think it says, what you want the Bible to say, it doesn't matter. What's gonna happen is we're all gonna converge on the throne room and one at a time we will stand before the Lord on this final Yom Kippur. Isaiah 45 reminds us of this. It says, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me, every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. Revelation 5, 9, our closing verse tonight. 
And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you, talking to Yeshua, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You see, guys, Yom Kippur is the announcement that this age is over. The new age, the Jubilee Sabbath age is now coming. We are finally realizing what the Bible said, that this is the day I make atonement for you. It didn't work in the past because animals were just a reminder, but Yeshua actually will do it. Sin will be removed. New bodies will be given. A Jubilee year will be inaugurated with the sound of that trumpet. So we can understand why this day is very solemn why it's very somber, why we need introspection and quiet time with the Lord to make sure that as we approach his throne, our heart is in the right place. Reminding ourselves also that it doesn't matter where you come from or what you think, you will also stand before the throne of the Lord on this final Yom Kippur. This Yom Kippur day, expectantly jubilant for some and fearfully concerning for others. And our final thought is this. The final Yom Kippur, its atonement once and for all, the new body that we're given, the separation of mankind at that point before the throne, the fulfillment of that festival in its highest level, now makes the believers eligible because of atonement to enter the age to come. You see, it's Yom Kippur that makes us eligible for Sukkot. It was Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets, that alerted us that the Messiah's return is here. The day of judgment is coming. But the day of judgment, it gives us the prerequisite of atonement to enter the age to come. And now you can see how all of the feasts and festivals fit together. I hope this sinks into your spirit a little bit tonight. I hope that you've been able to grab it a little bit. If you need to watch it more than once, I fully understand Go back to our archives, check it out again, and follow us through all the feast and festival teachings. This is a rich time. It is the moment in our year that is a unique day, different than everything else, but that also means that this is a unique day in human history because it's all prophetically connected. Let me pray for you that you might have understanding. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wisdom and the goodness of your feasts and festival days and how they teach us so much about your character, about your attributes, but they also teach us about your plan for human history and your plan for the redemption of mankind. You also lay out for us the timelines prophetically of where we are now. We are in a season between the Feast of Weeks, which is the giving of the Holy Spirit, and the blowing of trumpets, which is the return of the Lord. We sit right now in human history in a prophetic sense, right there in the middle of the harvest of the summer. And that's why you've called us to sow seed, be faithful, to help harvest, to water everyone whose heart needs the seed of the gospel. Father, let us get this deeper revelation this year on Yom Kippur, your day of atonement. We thank you for your love and your plan. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a a moment of a worship song just so we can let that sink into our spirit. 
And we invite you to come back and be with us again next week as we launch into the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. We're going to give you a lot more depth and revelation about that as well. Let's worship together.